Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm so excited to welcome you, as well as our special guest today, Linda Lesniewski. Uh, we're going to be talking about women's ministry training, how to reconnect the women in your church or in your women's ministry that are currently disconnected. And during this hour, you're going to discover why some women's ministries are really seeing a shrinking involvement and what you can do about it, Uh, the 12 reasons for having a women's enrichment ministry in your church, a great starting place when seeking or when the task seems too large for you, multiple options for moving beyond the walls of the local church, what to do when the stirring in your heart to minister to women and biblical role models for forging ahead with God's calling on your life, as well as tips for communicating your vision with male leadership, which all of us have to do at some point. Uh, our guest today, Linda Lesniewski, um, was has served over 21 years as women's ministry leader at her home church in Texas, GABC.org, and that church has over 15,000 members. She has also served as a trainer for Lifeway Christian Resources and is the author of Women at the Cross and Connecting Women a relational guide for leaders in women's ministry. Welcome to you, Linda. I am so glad to be here. Thank you, Marnie. Well, and I'm really excited to have you here, and I'm glad I don't have to say your last name too many times. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just wonder how you got into women's ministry to begin with. I think probably any woman involved in women's ministry uh, would say the same thing. We're not sure. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) I had always enjoyed working with women, and when the woman in this position at my church uh, moved on up to work with Lifeway Publishing uh, Resources in Nashville, uh, I actually uh, received a phone call asking me to consider Mm -hmm. this position, and probably it was just based upon my you know, my track record of just having been involved in the church and uh, loving the Lord. So, you know, that women just kind of step into it usually when someone sees that that they are equipped to meet those needs. There's the gifting there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, for Mm -hmm. those of you guys listening, um, one of the things we talk about a lot with women's ministries is you're watching and you're, you know, you've got your ear to the ground with your women to say, you know, who would be a good mm-hmm. person to lead this Always keeping your eyes ministry. open. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. Well, let's dive right into this because we are going to talk about kind of the unique aspect here today of reconnecting disconnected women. And it's really mm-hmm. true that so many WMs are seeing shrinking involvement. And I have my own theories here. Mm-hmm. I'm so interested to hear why you feel like so many women's ministries are really in trouble. I think it's reflecting, uh, it's a reflection of what's going on in our culture and in our churches at large, but uniquely with women, George Barna uh, discovered in one of his studies that, that women would rather disappear than say no that they are literally wow. burning out because women are have traditionally been known as the volunteer base of the local church, and they're always being resourced to do something, and uh, women are now in crisis. And until we begin to minister to the women, 
rather than just resource them according to their gender, it's easier to just not show up than to say no or to set a boundary or say, I can't take that on. Isn't that interesting? Wow. (laughs) It's really astounding. I'd rather disappear than say no. (laughs) Well, you You know, know, and I mean, I, I go ahead. That's just, you know, it's just, it's unique to women. Guys don't mind saying no, but women uh, just feel guilty. They feel guilty for not uh, coordinating vacation mm-hmm. Bible school or not doing what's been asked, uh, and they just uh, they just kind of drift away. Mm-hmm. I want to address that's this unique issue with one generation. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And I want to address that before we go any further, because for okay. those of you listening who really you're dying and you're going, that's me. I can't say no ever. I, one mm-hmm. of the phrases that I learned years ago has really helped me with this, and I know this show isn't about this, but I just want to share it here again. Yes. And it's this saying. Every time I say <laughs> yes to something, I have, in effect, said no to something else. And exactly every time right. I say no to something, mm-hmm. I have, in effect, said yes to something else. So you're actually never saying mm-hmm. just no or just yes. You're actually saying both each time. And that really helped mm-hmm. me, Linda, because I was one of those girls who just would rather not go or rather not put myself in the position. And, you know, one of those people that gets asked to do yeah. everything. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, you know, we're going to talk here in these few minutes about why gals aren't coming. And for sure one of the reasons is because I'm looked at as a resource instead of a person. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like the other, the other thing that pops right to the surface for me that what I see is that unless we meet a specific need that she feels as a felt mm-hmm. need in her life, she mm-hmm. simply can't. She's too busy. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think that is something that has significantly developed over the last couple of years uh, post-George Barna's uh, research is that women uh, are in crisis. We have more single moms. We have more divorce. Women are going into the workplace, and uh, they have emotional needs, and they are facing burnout in their own lives. And uh they need to be invested into, hence women's ministry, ministry to women, is a felt need in their lives and uh, validating them as women in, in what they're facing. Hmm. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about discipleship then? Where does that fall in here? Well, discipleship, I think we all traditionally think of Bible study uh, as foundational and growing in Christ. Uh, and learning how to walk consistently depending upon the role and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But I think it's also uh, much more diverse. It's applying the truths of Scripture to all aspects of their life, having faith, having hope uh, to face the challenges. You know, some challenges are generational, maybe the crisis of the young moms and how can they trust the Lord uh, in the everyday the dailiness of their task or widows facing women facing widowhood or we have found um, the challenges of menopause is a huge crisis and it's something that we address uh, every year here at my church empty nesters what am I going to do now but then other women are facing uh, personal challenges of divorce grief loss death 
uh, single parenting, domestic violence, depression. Uh, now we're dealing with husbands involved with pornography, and uh, women now are facing erotica fiction, addiction after Fifty Shades of Grey, and mental illness in their children. All of those things need uh, that women need help with knowing how to bring their faith to that crisis, how to trust the Lord through it. Uh, they need a woman to come along beside them and to encourage them. And uh, that all can be done through women's ministry when it's uh, organized and in place in the local church. Before we go to break, and we're going to come back and talk about 12 reasons for having a women's enrichment ministry in your church, but before okay. we go, what about millennials? What about millennials? Uh, millennials, they are the challenge that uh, most of us are facing, including the millennials themselves, as to how to engage <laughs> them, true. because they have a unique profile from those of us that are uh, baby boomers. And so uh, engaging them is a wonderful topic. We've got to get out of our own generational tunnel vision and realize that their world is so different than ours. They're busy. They're distracted. uh, They want lots of options, uh, engaging with technology, knowing that they want to make short-term commitments because something better might come along. And they're really thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, what's in it for me? So a approaching what you are offering to them in an engaging way uh, that fits their thinking patterns takes a lot of creativity (laughs) on the part of leaders. But you can do it. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We're going to take a break and come right back and talk about those 12 reasons for having a women's enrichment ministry in your church. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're enjoying this hour with our special guest today, Linda Lesniewski of GABC.org in Texas. Linda, let's talk about 12 reasons for having a women's enrichment ministry in your church, and I'm just going to let you go ahead and maybe take a breath every two or three. (laughs) Okie dokie. I'll be glad to. This is actually a list that I have in the appendix of my book, Connecting Women. I resourced it from a Lifeways Women's Ministry Guide because I felt it was the most comprehensive approach. And the very first one, uh, it really speaks to pastors. It really helps churches grow numerically. Women bring their friends, they bring their husbands, and they bring their kids. 
and women need to feel accepted and warmly embraced uh, when they join your church. And so having something in place to assimilate them as new members is so helpful. Number three, women need meaningful relationships at all stages and ages. They need meaningful relationships in a way to build those in small groups. Number four, uh, it provides a structure for women to discover, develop, and use their spiritual gifts. The woman's ultimate uh, spiritual fulfillment within the local church is when she's using her spiritual gifts. And very few women have had someone come along beside them to help them identify uh, what their gifts are. Number five is to literally minister to them, to walk beside them and be with them in each season of their life. Number six is provide a, a vision, a dream, and uh, of what can actually occur and be at the, at the, in, within their church, and then to network what's already happening in the church. Women are busy all throughout different areas, but no one typically knows everything that's going on, so kind of coordinating that so that when someone calls the church, there's someone they can talk to that can help plug them into what's already in place. Number seven is to be there for them and offer understanding. And number eight is lay counseling. We all know that uh, the majority of affairs that occur within churches among pastors and church members are birthed through pastors counseling women. And we actually established a, uh, an informal uh, woman-to-woman counseling ministry that a pastor could refer women to so that he didn't need to see a woman more than one time. It's, let's put some healthy boundaries around our pastors. And then number nine, it actually uh, allows you to establish that and fulfill the admonition in Titus 2 to allow older women mentor younger women. And you can put that structure and allow that to happen in informal and organic ways or more structured ways. Number 10, we're following Jesus' example because he ministered to and he ministered with women. He saw them for the valuable role that they bring uh, to the church. And then number 11, to help women fight spiritual battles and I'm going to say ever enhancing spiritual battles uh, as we all feel uh, spiritual warfare increasing uh, around uh, our country. And then last, to affect families because we all know the mother's emotional state and her spiritual state really affect the atmosphere of the home and of the marriage and uh, if we can invest in a woman, then that will uh, ripple into the lives of her children and into her marriage and enhance mm-hmm. the spiritual health of the church. So with those 12 reasons for why I think any pastor uh, would catch the idea of, of the benefits of having a women's ministry. Okay, so that's kind of when you were putting these together, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this a little bit later too, talking to male okay. leadership. So let's let's save that aspect of this list for that segment of the show later. Right okay. now, let's address the aspects of this list that are um, going to directly 
like which one? Because mm-hmm. I think helping the church grow is a great motivation for having a women's mm-hmm. ministry, but I'm not sure if that's really the main motivation in the heart of the woman who's mm-hmm. going to do all the work <laughs> of, of no. putting together mm-hmm. a women's ministry or growing it. You know, so no. let's, let's kind of let's kind of prioritize these from the women's okay. ministry leader uh, approach. So, like, which one would you say, or which few would you say would bubble to the surface? Because I kind of have my own thoughts about that here. Well, I would say discipleship. Uh, the heart of all women's ministry is to help women grow spiritually. And so I would say uh, helping women grow spiritually, have those meaningful relationships, identify their gifts, and to be ministered to uh, is the heart and the foundation because when a woman grows spiritually, her, her whole world and all her sphere of influence is uh, is affected. It's foundational. Right. So – like, um, so that's number four, number 11. Which other ones do you feel like fall under the discipleship category there? Hmm. Let's see. Well, I would say 12. So number four was, yeah, number four was structure for women to discover mm-hmm. and use their spiritual gifts. So that's definitely a discipleship. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you've got mentorship, which is kind of a little bit of a different angle. And under that one, and under that one, I would think that it would go mentorship as well as the lay counseling would fall under that. Mm-hmm. Um, because you yeah. know, one of the things that I that I found uh, that as women would come into my office early on with a life crisis, uh, and they were asking help for like one woman uh, said, Linda, I need help uh, with my mentally ill uh, daughter. And I feel so alone and I'm so stressed out. I don't know what to do. Is there anything that you can say to me that would encourage me? And, I'm, you know, I'm just mm. so blank. And then it dawned on me <laughs> that just a few weeks ago another woman had mentioned to me she was struggling with a mentally ill daughter. And I just wow. said, yeah. you know, would you, do, would you like to get together with this other woman that's on the same journey? And so we now have a network of 12 moms that meet once. Mm, beautiful on their own just to encourage one another and so the power of pairing life experiences is huge it falls under mentoring it it falls under a lot of different categories but uh that definitely that understanding and that that lay counsel and the the one-on-one mentoring is just huge yeah so as i'm looking at this list i think you know for most of you guys listening your heart's motivation is this top-level discipleship thing where you're going, you know, I really want to provide the gals with a structure where they can discover and use their spiritual gifts, where they can get a vision and dream for what God has for them, and where they can actually uh, follow Jesus' example to be in ministry with and to women and be receiving ministry in their own hearts. And like from the women's ministry leader, I think that those are probably like the driving force Mm -hmm. from the board, Mm -hmm. the leadership place, you know, number one and number 12, you know, to help Mm -hmm. the church grow and to affect the families in the church. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's key there for the woman herself. Now let's hunker down here into this section for a little bit, because I think for the woman herself, um, you know, it's two, three, five, seven, ten, and twelve. You know, outside of direct mentorship, it's need. They need to feel welcome, and 
they actually need meaningful relationships with other women who are God lovers, they're God seekers, and mm-hmm. so they can grow mm-hmm. that way. They, um, they, they want someone to care, to minister to them, to provide something mm-hmm. that will help them. They need someone to understand what stage they're in or what crisis they're going through. They need, again, to fellowship and to follow Jesus in that way. And they long mm-hmm. to be a better wife and person, and mother, <laughs> and yes, those yes. things are the reasons she can come. So having said all that now, you know, women's ministries are shrinking, and we're going, how can we get them reconnected? And her well, motivations I, really aren't quite the same as the women's ministry leaders' motivations. Well, yes, and that's where uh, very creative marketing comes in. And uh, and just creating something that's appealing. I was uh, working just before we began visiting. I had listed the studies that we're going to offer in the fall uh, and was showing them to my daughter that attends a, a smaller church here in town. And I said, this is what we're offering in the fall. And she kind of curled her nose. And I said, what's wrong with these studies? And she said, nothing. But the way you have that written is so unappealing. And I said, hmm. well, it gives the basic information. She said, Mom, I could make that look a whole lot more interesting. And I said, okay, do it. And so the next day she sent me this attachment, and it was colorful, and it was exciting, and it had pictures in it. And I went, this does look much more appetizing. <laughs> and so, you know, just speaking their language, which is a digital. Uh, I'm even marketing Bible studies this fall now. Uh, by sending, by marketing the video, Vimeo clip, or the YouTube clip of the author talking about this, rather than uh, look at the book, meet the author, and so just trying to push forward in being more appealing. We're doing a, a one-day training at the first uh, the day after Labor Day this September, called the Best Yes. Uh, it's a book by Lisa Turquist and really marketing it through social media for targeting the young moms, uh, how to make the best yes, and then we're making the book available for uh, a discounted price. We're absorbing the difference and, mark- and letting them uh, purchase a copy for $5, and we'll have uh, treats and coffee and lattes and then a speaker for two hours with free childcare. Now that's, you know, <laughs> all those little perks is what it takes for the millennials. I'm going to say, now you're talking their language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, because and I, I resisted a long time, but I thought I'm going to have to be willing to go there if that's what it's going to take. So, Linda, let's go back to why this is so challenging for you and I, for our generation to actually Mm -hmm. make this extra effort for these younger Mm -hmm. people. Because literally, when I was a young mom, nobody did that for me. And I came and Mm -hmm. I worked, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's kind of this uh, little bit of, and I don't know what the word is there, but uh, there's something inside of us that said, why do I have to do all that? Nobody Mm -hmm. did it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's these are basically if if the if the woman that's listening is a baby boomer, or even a little bit younger, we're talking about our kids, 
And so that makes it more real. But we know that our kids were raised with somewhat of an attitude of entitlement because we we gave them so much more that we did not have in our generation. And they've come to expect it. And uh, that's the way we raised them. And so we're going to have to accept that and deal with it. <laughs> I mean, you that's, know, that's the reality. The These are our kids. You know, that word expectation is so good here because I think about when I was a young mom, when I was the women's ministry leader for 20 years at our church, I felt like it was expected of me to give and to um, to really fill that role, to make sure that the work got done, that the funerals got served. You know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff yeah. that was on my platter. And mm-hmm. and and our kids grow, grew up more thinking that the expectation was that somebody, like mom, was going to do was that for them. For them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so we all have expectations, and we are now in crisis because we were thinking that when they grew up, they would step into those roles, and they grew up, and A, their life doesn't support it anymore because they are Mm -hmm. not who we were. Their schedules Mm -hmm. are not like ours were. And then Mm -hmm. B, they really didn't ever anticipate doing it themselves. They really didn't. Yeah. You know, one of the things that that I have found helps facilitate that transition from receiving to giving is the MOPS program because it's peer-led and those young women are kind of moved into leadership position and a lot of our young women leaders come from that ministry as they've taken ownership of putting their own program together. But I found as leaders, these young women have that heart desire, desire to be empowered and I'm using that word empowerment a lot more uh, because Mm -hmm. within each one of us is this sense of insecurity that I could never do it as good as they do it. Um, And even though the younger generation look incredibly competent, incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly on top of things, when you sit down with each one of these women one-on-one, they feel very inadequate. And so empowering them and believing in them and giving them small tasks that they can be successful at and then uh, equipping them, training opportunities. I asked uh, a bunch of uh, women one time uh, that I was speaking to, I said, how many of y'all are involved in Junior League? And uh, a lot of the women raised their hand, and I said, how many of you give more time to Junior League than you do to uh, your church? And quite a few hands raised. And I said, why? And the lady immediately answered. She said, because they equip us. They send us for training. They believe in us. They empower us. And the church just uses us and doesn't equip us. And so immediately I began to look for equipping, equipping opportunities and uh, begin to use part of my budget to send women to trainings and to offer opportunities to them to feel more confident. Empowerment. It's a great word. And that's really an amazing thought that they feel used because that wasn't how I felt when I was serving younger. Was it how you felt when you were younger and serving? 
I'm trying to think back on that. I think I was, what it was is I was working with my peers. I, I wasn't working out of my age group. I was just doing things with my peers, and so we were all on an equal platform. But when we're asking younger women to take a leadership role in women's ministry, they have a, a diverse age group many times, even facilitating a Bible study. And some, an older woman will step in there, and they'll just say, oh, my gosh, I just don't think I can facilitate this study with so-and-so in that room. She's so knowledgeable. She's been a Bible t- uh, Sunday school teacher for so many years, and they feel inadequate among around the older generation, but competent among mm. their peers. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is such a good word to um, to recognize that there's this opportunity to get them training, to equip them, mm-hmm. to help them. And there's feel so much out there. You're more part, adequate. You part. You are part of that resource. When I saw all yeah. the tremendous informational resources that you have available on your website, I thought I need to direct my young women there and uh, mm-hmm. let them equip themselves, get some questions answered, brainstorm, get some new ideas. You're, you are part of those resources. Yeah, and I think that that, that uh, brings up another kind of aspect, too, of the women's ministry leadership being able to identify and narrow it down. Um, one of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were talking about engaging millennials, whether in the church or even in the workplace, was that one of the things they've come to uh, feel is that they can't trust anybody because when they go mm-hmm. to Google and they ask a question, you know, um, sometimes the answer is not fact. Sometimes the answer they get back appears to be fact, but in fact it's just somebody's idea of the answer. And mm-hmm. so this generation has really learned to question everything and not to just take anything mm-hmm. at face value. So when they find a resource, mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know if this is a good one or I don't know if this is the one I should do, you know. And, again, you guys, this is your role as a leader to help them identify really good uh, resources that address the, the needs that they have and to get them going down that path, which is why, Linda, like what you mentioned earlier, the women, a lot of women's ministry um, leaders and sometimes their subcommittees or whatever are selecting the books that are going to be done in Bible study. Once again, this is that tool. This is where you're saying, we've already checked these out. These are good resources. You can come. You can, mm-hmm. without spending hours trying to decide what to spend your 20 mm-hmm. bucks on, you know, we're going to yes. tell you any of yes. these would be helpful to you or this particular one mm-hmm. would be right up your alley. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think that those kind of things really help too. And when, when you think of like fanning the flame for a millennial, um, mm-hmm. is it, is it in, is it, in the promotion, or is it in, and maybe it's both, of course, but is it in the the needs that they feel? I think I think working with millennials that is similar to all women is that it's it's face to face and one on one. You know, everybody, all generations want relationships, want meaningful, truthful, honest relationships, and I think engaging with them face-to-face whenever you cross, speaking to them wherever you see them in the church, be interested in them, know their name, find out what they're interested in, and uh, engaging with them with a personal invite, a personal engagement, uh, I think is, is the bottom line in engaging with them. And then they invite their friends. If they think it's a good idea, they're going to bring their friends with them. 
In fact, yeah, we had a, we tried something this summer. We did the uh, the inspirational journaling journaling class, and uh-huh. uh, where people illustrate uh, scriptures in their Bibles. And uh, it was just six weeks, but uh, I invited my daughter and my twelve year old granddaughter. And then each week, my granddaughter invited one of her friends and that friend's mother. And each week there were two more until by the end of the six weeks, they alone had brought uh, all of their friends and their mothers that were a part of the class. Yeah, and they were just having a blast. (laughs) Well, you know, and that's that's something that God taught me early on in ministry is that they're not really coming for you. They're coming for each other and your you're the vehicle, really. Uh, you're like the mm-hmm. bus that all the kids get on. <laughs> so you, you know, you create, you create <laughs> the uh, opportunity. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I the love gathering that. Opportunity. That was really creative. Yeah, that was and really I creative. think it's, it's so, really, it, let me add this one thing too, Marnie, is that I think one of the things that we're going to have to also uh, own up to is that these millennials are going to need child care. Child care is expensive. Yeah. It's frustrating, it's a headache, uh, but it needs to be provided. Mm. And just so can we just dive, just, yep, dive in there for just a moment? What is your church's yeah. solution to that? What is our church? My church's what? Solution to that. Well, we actually um, have uh, child care provided uh, when we have uh, Bible study on weekday mornings. And then on, it's also provided on Sunday nights through regular church activities and then on Wednesday nights for regular church activities. So we take advantage of when the child care is there on Sunday night and Wednesday night, but we actually budget it and underwrite it for our Tuesday morning Bible studies. And who do you find to hire? Is it uh, older women? Is it homeschool kids? Who do you find to hire? That's that's always the challenge, and uh, <laughs> the young. I found out recently that you know that there is a uh, an online way to find you know to market that you have a childcare opportunity uh, for uh, college students that maybe don't have classes that morning. We have they required to do background checks. We do all that. We have widowed women. We have retired women. Uh, we have women that just enjoy being with babies and want something to do and enjoy being, uh, knowing the moms and knowing their kids and consider it a ministry. But uh, it takes a while to build up those uh, slots. But with time, there are, the women are out there that are thrilled to do that. I found some of our maintenance uh, and housekeeping staff uh, have family members. I've recruited through family members and wives of some of our maintenance men uh, have come on and have come to know the Lord and just love to be able mm. to help their husband out with their income. So asking and getting the word yeah. out. God has them. Yeah, I think I think that that's the main thing is that if this is what's required, then God mm-hmm. has got an answer. And we just have and, to believe for it. That's right, and then we have different eyes to look for this, too, and we aren't looking through the same eyes we usually do. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with our special guest, Linda Lesniewski, of 
of uh, GABC.org in Texas. We're going to come back and talk about a great starting place when the task seems so large and also multiple options for moving beyond the walls of the local church. We'll be right back. an author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible? Join us at Marnie.com for author training. You will learn how to write it well, get great graphics, attract an agent, format it for e-readers, get good reviews, connect with libraries, and market via media. All over at the author training at Marnie.com. Check it out today. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. This is Marnie Swedberg, and we're doing some women's ministry training today, how to reconnect your disconnected women. And our guest is Linda Lesniewski of GABC.org in Texas. Linda, let's talk about... Okay, so we went through 12 reasons to have a women's ministry and also or to have the enriching ministry. And also we were talking about many aspects of all the work <laughs> that goes into a women's <laughs> ministry. So mm-hmm. what's the starting point? Uh, you just look at it and go, forget it. I just don't have time to do all that. I cannot possibly. I, I mean, I kind of want to, and I see the need, but I can't possibly do this. So what do you say to the gal who's listening? My suggestion is to ask God to bring some other women into her world that have that same stirring, that same vision, that same dream, that same, oh, I wish this were already in place mentality, and and discuss it with them because uh, it's a joint effort. It's a function of the church. You know, one person might have the gift of administration, but one is out there, uh, knows how to find the women, and another woman knows how to get the information out. So it's really a team effort, and she doesn't need to feel that she's alone in this. If this is God's in God's heart for their church, then he has a whole group uh, of women that he's working with that he'll pull together. So find those women and pray and ask the Lord to bring them into in her world. Yeah, and and I think the other thing is, too, you don't have to start so big. I mean, Linda, you're, you're ministering with thousands of people in your church. Um, most women's ministries aren't going to start when there are thousands in the church. Some will. Some literally will start when there's already that big of a church going. And doesn't, a lot of churches don't have a women's ministry at all yet, which is amazing to me, but they don't. But um, usually, if you're starting from scratch, you're really – working with a smaller group, and you can actually decide how to start. You don't have to start with mm-hmm. all the programs, with all the bells and whistles, with all the, everything. Mm-hmm. You can start with one Bible study. In fact, that's how our women's ministry started. Uh, I was the nursery coordinator, and a group of women came to me and said they would like to have uh, a Bible study on Tuesday mornings, could they put their children in the choir ensemble rehearsal child care? And I went to my supervisor, and he said it would be fine with him. 
And so it was that small cluster of women that met regularly uh, for Bible study that birthed the women's ministry that's now in place here at our church. And about how and many the average women church, are involved in? How many? Oh, about how many women are involved in your? Yeah. By the time you add them up in all the different dimensions, I would say thousands. You know, just <laughs> right. You know, it, because right. every woman does something different. There, you know, one person is involved here, another person is involved here, another person uh, comes and just takes a Bible study, and then we don't see her again. But then I find out she's running a Bible study in her neighborhood, or she's uh, starting to work with a pregnant single mom. And you know, once they find their gifts and their calling, and uh, and and how to depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. They just go and um, and are blessing others around them, but the average church, Marnie, is 150 people. I mean, that's the average size church in the United States. And so, when you're looking at that, say out of 150, maybe uh, 65 or 70 are women. And uh, so, what are those women's needs that are not being met in the local church that could be met by the local church? And usually just getting them together for prayer and Bible study that will come to the surface or one woman will have a desire that to lead in an outreach uh, that God has placed in her heart. And the other women are saying, yeah, we'll do that with you. So it just usually takes one woman, though, that, that God has called out to kind of lead and to encourage, and then uh, the women will follow. Yeah. And at Marty.com and the resources, there's a, a women's ministry survey that a lot of churches uh-huh. have used to just help Good. to bubble to the surface kind of what yeah. um, what the gals really are interested in. But you don't even have mm-hmm. to do that. And I just go back to that verse all the time. Do not despise the small beginnings. You know, where, oh, where yeah. God's, God's premise is that most of the time, He's going to plant a seed, and it's going to grow from a seed. A lot of times you don't get to bring it home from the, from the greenhouse already half grown, you know. You have to start at the seed stage. And so many of us uh, really want it to be faster and easier and uh, a more direct path uh, than what it really is going to be. And so I would just encourage you, I, I love this story, you know, starting with one Bible study, they watched and they saw an opportunity. Okay, choir mm-hmm. rehearsal already has child care. Well, that was really a creative response. That was a creative um, solution to a problem they had. They needed child care. And mm-hmm. I, I just feel like that's what the Holy Spirit does when we start saying, this is really in my heart to do. This is really what I think I'm supposed to do now. God, how could it possibly work out? Um, so, I just kind of want to jump ahead to that, where you start, you know, what do you do with the string in your heart um, and the biblical role models? Let's go to that one. You know, I've had a, uh, an amazing opportunity because uh, the first eight years uh, of my position here, I was uh, part of the missions department, part-time women and part-time missions. And through that exposure and through God's own calling in my life, I've had the opportunity to travel all over the world, and the one thing that I observed is that all women are the same, and mm-hmm. that God is working in women's hearts all over mm-hmm. the world, in huts, in mm-hmm. villages, in apartment complexes. Yeah. God is stirring women's hearts 
to gather with other women and encourage one another. And then through, I call it a serendipity. I know it wasn't. It was God's leading. I discovered Mm -hmm. that there were, that there were women at the crucifixion of Christ that were actually named, uh, six named and a seventh identified. And, uh, as I began to really study those women, Joanna, Susanna, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary's sister, and then Salome, mother of James and John, are identified as being at the crucifixion of Christ. And when I looked at each of their names in a Bible dictionary, we know a lot about all these women. And I realized from studying and focusing on that, of course, first the book, Women at the Cross, I realized that these women, that God mentioned these women at being at the crucifixion because it was important to him that they were there. Mm -hmm. And their presence was important, and they were doing what women do, tend and befriend, Mm -hmm. which is a research that, it's been done by the authors of Fight or Flight that women under stress gather with one another and they take care of one another in response to stress. And they were doing that for Jesus. It was important to Jesus. They played a huge role. Susanna, Mary Magdalene, and Joanna traveled with Jesus and supported him out of their personal finances. And so they were key players and uh they are key roles in the church all over the world and always have been. Now let's nurture them and invest in them and not just use them. Mm, so beautiful. We're going to take one last break. We're going to come back and talk about how to move your women's ministry beyond the walls of your local church and also how to communicate all of this to the male leadership in your church so you can get approval for what God has in store for you all. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Right now at womenspeakers.com, you can take it to the next level with online training including specific instructions, tips, and strategies to increase your knowledge, skill sets, and earning potential as an author, speaker, media guest, manager, women's ministry leader, or event planner. Pick your area of interest and get going today. The training sets at womenspeakers.com Include over 24 modules, each 60 minutes long, focusing on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular field of interest. You can purchase each set individually or join to gain instant and ongoing access to them all for one low price. Get online training today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back to you. This is Marnie Sweber. We're doing some women's ministry training today with our guest, Linda Lesniewski of GABC.org in Texas. Thank you for being here, Linda. This is just such great content, and I'm really grateful that you could come. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's talk about moving beyond the walls of the local church because uh, so many times we find that there are women who simply don't see themselves as someone who goes to church or possibly they've even been wounded before in a church and just aren't willing to go in. Mm-hmm. Reaching out to women in the community is a wonderful way uh, to uh, touch the lives of other women 
that maybe have uh, been wounded, just as you said, and unfortunately that happens more than we would like to know, uh, most always unintentionally, but uh, bringing them back and reengaging with, uh, with them and addressing that wound in their lives. But, you know, going out and engaging with the women. Um, there's lots of opportunities within every community and looking to see what is there uh, is uh, a great way. We noticed, uh, I just realized just now that two young women in our church had such a passion for coming alongside single women with unplanned pregnancies and uh, brainstormed with me for over a year, and then they came across an organization called Embrace Grace. And it's already a nonprofit structure for how to bring in these expectant moms, meet with them for a 14-week curriculum, and then bless them with a shower. And the shower is the uh, sanctified bait to keep them coming, but they hear the gospel, uh, they're engaged mm-hmm. with the church. They're plugged into small group opportunities uh, in different areas of the church. They've just completed their very first series, had 12 girls that completed, and had 25 for the fall semester. Now, our town is only 80,000 people. Wow. And this is a, and it's part of a pro life uh, approach, and it's uh, marketed as being a pro-love church. So that's that's a wonderful way to reach out to someone that is feeling ashamed and alienated. Uh, one of the, uh, uh, we had a young woman that really loved to share her faith, and she would invite uh, all of the MOPS moms to go to our city park, where lots of, especially our Hispanic sisters, would be there with their children playing. And they would go in pairs. They would offer cookies and a balloon to the children. One woman would uh, and interact with their children while the other woman would engage the uh, the mother. And they would interact, find out whether she had a church home, whether she was looking for a church home, whether she knew Christ as her Savior. And they did that so many times and had so much fun just engaging in a park on a beautiful day. Uh, we have uh, have launched a new ministry that a lot of women are wanting to come and be a part of, and it's a way for them to engage with the, with the church uh, in working with uh, girl, little girls in Kenya that are fleeing FGM, female genital mutilation, and sponsoring these girls uh, through... Uh, a ministry that we've set up allows them to plug into a ministry that is social action, that is engaging with cultural change, uh, that's that's making an impact in a little girl's life. Uh, and how can I be a part of this ministry and how can I engage? It gives them a way to engage uh, with something that's meaningful to them but it also brings them into the church as they're working with us and volunteering to be a part of that. I think as the women look at what's going on in their town and what their needs are, uh, that the Holy Spirit will reveal to them uh, ways to plug in and meet needs. 
Absolutely. I know some of the guests we've had on in the past few months have talked about, you know, trafficking, um, have talked Mm -hmm. about um, reaching out to (laughs) strippers, and uh, definitely there's jail ministries. There's all kinds of ways to take it outside the walls. But one of the things that's bubbling to the surface in my thinking as you were talking was once again, you know, our women are so busy now. Their lives are so full and they're pulled in so many directions that unless unless they really feel a particular call to something, either they need to understand something or they need to serve somewhere or they need to take social action or they have this they have this felt need, and maybe they can't even describe it very well, but they have a need. And when we, as women's ministry leaders and as churches, even as individuals, when we can come and address that need with the love of Jesus Christ and with an opportunity mm-hmm. to come alongside them, that's when they can consider us and tell them they simply can't. Mm-hmm. They said they can't. We had uh, some young women Ask. We have a sewing ministry here that is one of our longest-standing ministry. They make uh, uh, requested items for nursing homes and hospitals and things. And but some of the younger girls wanted to have their own group, and so uh, they asked if they could meet on another day. There was childcare, and and so they met. They brought their sewing machines and their fancy sewing machines there. <laughs> They're computerized versions, and uh, I asked them to consider sewing one day for themselves, for fellowship, uh, have a devotional, put on Christian music in the background, and then every other week they have a mission sewing project, something that they make that can be an outreach, and they identified uh, little sundresses. An organization is shipping sundresses to... uh, children in Africa that don't have any clothes. We look at those these pictures of little kids standing in serving lines for food and and they they don't have clothes on and it never dawned on me they don't have clothes. They have nothing right. to wear. Right. I thought they didn't get dressed that day. That's typically an American right. western perspective, you know. Right. But uh right. You know, and these girls got so excited about making these little sundresses, mm-hmm. but they just needed that challenge and that direction to look in. But also look outward. Let's do something for others, too, during this time. And it brought them great joy. That they is, were so proud. And that is such a great way to do it, too. And I think when we think about breaking any habit that we have, that's a self-centered habit that's just developed over years. It's one thing for somebody to say, you shouldn't be feeling that way like you should be sewing something for yourself when there's yes. people who need sundresses. It's a whole other thing to say. Let's, to do let's it. just start out this kind of gradually here. Let's do some let's for you and some for it. them. You know, and you yeah, know, I, just I do can, something. I can diversify it. I can also send out, I have an email group that's been very effective for, it's been running uh, 15 years now. I have a group of uh, emails that I call Ministry in Motion. And whenever a need comes through, my office that doesn't fit in traditional categories, I just send it out to Ministry in Motion. And for that sewing group, I, I could have very easily said, need donated cotton fabric for a sewing project mm-hmm. that, that's coming up next week, drop, drop it off at the church. And so another woman might say, I can't come sew, but I've got fabric. Right. And so just looking for 
for ways, multiple ways and diverse ways that women can be a part. I just love that. And I always say God loves body life. He likes us to work together and to be dependent on each other. He just loves that. All right, we've got about three minutes left, and I just want you to address for here shortly just um, some tips for communicating your vision with male leadership. Because, gals, a lot of times we go into this male church board and we say, God, put it on my heart to start this ministry. Will you say yes? And honestly, they just can't with just that much information. That's exactly right, and that was the scale that I had to intentionally develop. Uh, most women in leadership in their local church have come from the home. They, they have homemaking background and lack uh, corporate background or uh, the business, the workplace background, and the church, Monday through Friday, runs like a small business. It's not the same church that you see on Sunday. And so during the week, you make appointments. Pastors have schedules. They're in the office. They're out of the office. And so you don't just drop in. He might be in the middle of something. So you make an appointment and then share your vision and put it in bullet points. Guys, don't like a lot of words. Just say, this is what uh, we feel that that God is uh, wanting to happen among the women of the church. This is what we would like to ask. Uh, share with you and like to ask your permission to do and make a specific ask. Uh, don't just throw it out there and, and expect him to do it for you. Ask for permission to do a survey, uh, to create a think tank, uh, to um, maybe start off with a dinner or a luncheon or a breakfast where you can kind of survey the women, but have a specific ask in mind. But the main thing you want to communicate is that the women are team players and they are there Mm -hmm. to follow the pastor's vision and the pastor's leadership and that you are equipping women and discipling women to serve anywhere in the church that God asks them to serve. And that is so powerful because most... uh, People will think, oh, my goodness, if there's a women's ministry, then the women are going to quit teaching Sunday school or they're not going to help with the choir. They're going to be busy doing Bible study, and they're going to pull out of all those areas where there aren't student ministry, where they're already serving, Mm -hmm. but that's not so. Women are being equipped so they can serve out of their spiritual and emotional health rather than out of their emotional neediness. So it's empowering women to serve where God calls them to serve in the local body. And I think that pastor will be thrilled. (laughs) And if you start with the first point of uh, Linda's 12 reasons for having a women's enrichment report, which is helps the church grow numerically, you'll have his attention right away. (laughs) And it's just the truth. It's not a lie. It's not me with you, Jim. Uh, well, this sure. hour has flown by. Linda, what a great uh, hour it's been. You've shared so much great content with us. Thank you for being here, and thank you for your life. You're welcome. Thank you for the oh, opportunity. Oh, it's just been so fun. So okay. fun to have Bye. you, and thank you all for coming. Uh, can't have a show without listeners, and, of course, so many of you come every week live that we're always on the front page of uh, Blog Talk Radio, and I appreciate that so much. And for those of you who listen later at the archives and around at the syndicates and even um, online at the other radio stations. Thank you for that, and we're just so grateful that you're part of our part of our family. So we'll see you again next time, and have a great day. Bye bye. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.